0: Welcome to the Business of Impact, a podcast brought to you by the Business for Impact Center at Georgetown University's McDonough School of Business. Our mission is to unleash the power of business to help people and the planet thrive. To solve the complex social and environmental challenges facing the world today, we need all sectors involved business, government, and civil society. It's all about people, planet, profit, the triple bottom line. And we are committed to leading the way. This podcast will take you behind the scenes to better understand and get involved in social impact and making a difference. Please hit the subscribe button and join us for each episode to get to know our staff, student leaders, partners, and guests for meaningful conversations about our work and about social impact.
1: Welcome, everyone, to Business of Impact. My name is Tanya Smith-Evans, and I am the Director of New Strategies at Business for Impact at Georgetown. Today, I have the absolute pleasure of speaking with Abrea Armstrong, who is the new Editor and Director of Communications for Activist and the founder of 91 to Infinity which is a digital strategy firm catering to small businesses. Thank you for being
2: here, Ms. Abria. How are you? The pleasure is mine, Miss Director. Always a pleasure to be <laughs> in your company.
1: <laughs> oh, we are happy to have you here today um, for one of our Business for Impact podcast. And I wanted to just start talking a little bit about your new role and your new company. Could you tell us you know, what is Activist about, what does it do, and your role?
2: Absolutely. Activest is a municipal finance company that essentially brings the fire of social justice and a lot of those indicators. So think about things like police brutality and public safety. Think about things like Water and infrastructure. For example, uh, the Flint Water Settlement is a great example of how municipalities play a big role in public health. So, thinking about all those sort of indicators and saying, how is the market evaluating risk as it pertains to these indicators? So, when we bring those two things together, we call it fiscal justice. Um, and what my role is as editor and director of communications is, is not only helping the brand itself, ActiveS, develop and think about how are we telling our brand story and what is our narrative, and what are the terms that we can own and claim as ours, um, but then also how are we communicating this, and, and, and how are we selling this, and what sort of outreach methods, and who is our audience, and how do we galvanize them for change, and so it's been a wonderful opportunity to really exercise the dexterity um, in my communication skills, and I'm so grateful to be in a place that is directly adjacent to change.
1: Oh, Great. Well, tell us, uh, and you mentioned it briefly, to whom or to what are you communicating this? Who's like the target audience? Who do you work with?
2: Yeah, so it's it's two groups. So we're certainly thinking about things from a grant maker side. So just from a business mm-hmm. operation standpoint, and in, in terms of income, we are very much looking to large grant organizations such as like the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. Um, we also have a another grant from the W.W. Kellogg Foundation. So a lot of uh, very large entities are behind us and supporting us and in looking into specific issues within their particular areas of interest. So for example, with, uh, with Robert Wood Johnson, they're interested in us looking at um, environmental policy in New Jersey, because that's where um, they're based. And for Kellogg, it's about looking at things in Michigan, because, you know, that's where they are based and, and looking at those sort of uh, fiscal justice indicators. So that's one major audience is, is digging into both the municipality and the realm, but then also investors themselves and saying, Hey, as you are building your portfolio and incorporating all of these assets, how are you, or or better yet, are you considering the ramifications that things like Breonna Taylor's murder have on municipal budgeting and risk? And saying, you know, those cities and um, current rating agencies like Moody's or um, SP are certainly creating ratings for these cities based on um, a number of factors but one of the, the key things that Activists is illuminating that these other rating agencies exclude from their process are these social justice sort of measures and saying how does the flint water settlement affect the municipal budget of uh, of a city like flint how does um, having to over police a people in louisville kentucky um, as a result of the social uprisings there um, affect um, spending and is spending um, within that municipality reflective of the community's needs. So for example, in Louisville, contrary to what I think we have all seen on television and in media, Louisville has actually increased their police budget to about somewhere between 50 and 60% of their municipal budget is literally just spent on public safety. And so we are saying oh. to investors, Are you considering these types of factors when you're incorporating these assets, these municipal bonds um, into your Uh portfolio? And and Activest is saying that you absolutely should because they absolutely affect the market and risk.
1: Got it. Okay, that is quite a lot, Ria. And unfortunately, um, we're sort of living in a time where there is lots of need for the type of things that you are focusing on. Would you Mm -hmm. say? that there are, you know, given the gravity of where we are and just coming through what a lot of people are, you know, terming sort of racial reckoning in the country, what are the things that you all are not excited about, but that you're focusing on? Because you could be doing 50 million things, right? Right, right now. What are the things that you think, you know, here's where we need to be concentrating the most, whether it be in Louisville or whether it be in Florida, because generally across the board, this is what people really need to be paying attention to.
2: Yeah, so what we try to do is is we focus on well certainly where the grant makers are asking us to go. Um, that's uh-huh. why we're in, in in looking at places like Flint. We actually are about to talk about full circle the um, the county. I want to say it's called Genesee. Forgive me if I'm mispronouncing okay. it, but that's the county that Flint sits within. They actually just hired us to essentially bring these practices and look more into what are the numbers and the data uh, behind all of these indicators in Flint um, and how does it ladder up? Uh, And and Uh so I'm grateful in the sense that as you speak of racial reckoning that also these municipalities are very much taking it upon themselves to say you know what we can and have the ability and the latitude to do better um, and we should and actually there will be greater fiscal outcomes so whether it is the, the municipal focus or the realm focus so like right now for example we're focusing on things like public safety um, as well as like chemical and toxic waste emissions um, oh. here in winston-salem actually a couple of days ago there was a large fire at a fertilizer plant. And um, when I looked in where the plant was, of course, it sits in the middle of a Black neighborhood. Um, Those sorts Mm. of facilities are disproportionately in um, communities of color. So thinking about how does that affect public health and For to I'll take the chain further and say, um, for example, if the if the young people are developing a higher uh, number of cases of asthma or respiratory diseases, now they're missing additional days of school. Um, Now they're falling behind in school. Now they may not be able to graduate. Now they won't be able to acquire the type of jobs that they would have been otherwise able to had they not been predisposed because of the environment that, that they were placed in to these elements. So I think at this point, we have to recognize how there are various layers that exist within society, whether it's on our environment, whether it's our public schools, um, how our water systems like in Flint, public safety like in Louisville, and understanding how each of these things are interconnected and ladder up not only to social justice, but also fiscal justice and municipal spending.
1: Got it. Well, a lot of young people, you know, and I consider you one as well from me to you as young people, but I know know that there is from you another layer or two down of young folks who are out there, you know, trying to be involved. They, you know, started in middle school and high school where a lot of these things started coming into their own consciousness, whether it be over social media or seeing news. And they're like, I just go to my local park and I clean up, I just do this. But there are local small businesses, you're talking national issues, but you started local working with small businesses. Can you tell us a little bit about 91 to Infinity, how that sort of started and then how you got from there to all these things that you're talking about now? So the
2: little folks, the young folks can see, you know what, I can do that, too. Yeah, so actually, Tanya, I'd say that it's the inverse that actually started right. out with large corporations. And what I say is, and this is exactly why I went to the Wake Forest School of Business, Go is the <laughs> idea of I went to go learn all of the white man's secrets, for lack of a better term. And I'm like, okay, this is what they're doing to get ahead. All right, this is what Sony Music is doing in order to market mm-hmm. their um their artists. This is what Double Excel is doing in order to write these stories. Uh, you know. Uh And and piecing this is what Walmart is doing to brand themselves, and Four Seasons to brand themselves. And I took all of these skills and secrets, and I said, okay, how do I bring that expertise and acumen? to small businesses who may not have the luxury of being able to afford a consultant who would have similar expert the same expertise as i would but that sits in a large um entity like a bcg or a deloitte uh-huh. or, or a McKinsey or whatever it may have you um, so 91 to infinity was founded in the midst of the pandemic and i'm actually what I'll say is I'm grateful for the involuntary sabbatical that the pandemic <laughs> provided. And okay. that it, it not only gave me time, and you like that, it's all about perspective, right? Ah, um, yeah, yeah. Right? Okay. And and that it gave me time to really be able to build this in the sense of filing the paperwork to get my LLC and finding the time to actually build my website, which I did all by myself, you know, alone on my little laptop before I even had a proper monitor here at at my apartment. Uh, So I just said to myself, okay, what skills do I have and what do people need around here in particular? And I had gleaned a bit of that from the, few years that I spent working both at an ad agency here in North Carolina, as well as in-house at within an innovation district here in Winston-Salem. Um, and so just okay. getting that sort of input and saying, okay, this is what the people are asking for. This is what I have to offer. Let me marry those two things together. And also, and this is a really key thing here for the young people to understand, to monetize it in the sense okay. of- how does that mean? Literally Literally putting a price and a value to these things, mm-hmm. right? To say how much an hour am I worth, and I think it's important mm-hmm. to to recognize like what that number is. Um, and so, as a little cheat code, small tangent, but as a little cheat code here, what I always say is, ask yourself, g- give yourself different numbers, and and just re- naturally react to it. So, yeah. consider a project and say, hey, if somebody gave you two hundred dollars an hour, how do you feel about that? And if you're if you're like mm, not quite, then you need to go up. If you're like, oh, I will be, that actually would be comfortable. You know, that sounds about right. Then, you know, then that's your number. So I always say, just do a gut check in terms of your own pricing. And oftentimes I might even, if you're a person of color, I often say double it (laughs) because you're you're probably discounting yourself somewhere and female and female. We love to do that. We love, love to
1: discount our work. <laughs> love to do that. Oh my gosh. I like that. I like that a lot because I, I think it shows that you don't have to be in these big agencies. You don't have to work for Fortune 500 companies. You can still take what they're doing because they have smart business practices. That's how they got to where they are, right? In addition to probably someone ones that we're not so smart, but you can look at them and translate that into your local work or to your individual personal work or to your local community without having to be at the big boys, you can take their lessons and implement them in what you're doing. So I think that's an important lesson for folks. You and I actually met, I should say, through the National Urban League, which was another program that was working at the Georgetown uh, McDonough School of Business. Can you tell us a little bit about the program that you were participating in and how that experience does or does not sort of influence what you're
2: doing now? The National Urban League's Emerging Leaders Program is, in my opinion, in short, I'll say it is one of the best ways to meet an exceptional cohort of your peers. Um, you go through all types of leadership development skills as well as um, management skills so for example we had several sort of accounting sessions uh, which were super mm-hmm. useful even for me as a small business owner as well as uh, someone who is the president of the young professional chapter within the local urban League affiliate here in winston-salem so we, we you know we got to hear for some incredible speakers uh like isaiah thomas uh miss lisa mm-hmm. davis who i still want to be my auntie uh, wherever you are miss lisa <laughs> so we all. I, I think of you <laughs> All right. And it really gave us a fantastic exposure um, to consider the possibilities for impact and the multitude Mm -hmm. of ways that that can look. And also gave us the the sense of courage and audacity to continue steadfast on our path toward change. Mm
1: -hmm. And do you have to be uh, in Winston-Salem to participate in said Urban League's Emerging Leaders Program?
2: No, I, I think that's what one of the best parts about the sort of national aspect of the Urban League itself is this idea that you get to be matched with and placed in a virtual, at least for the time being, uh, room with the the creme de la creme in LA or Greenville, South Carolina or Louisiana mm-hmm. or, or Richmond. Um, and, and Tanya, I know I'm naming very specific places to call out very specific place, uh, people here. <laughs> right. um, Or New York, you know, shout out to Shalima. Um, And I'm I'm grateful because now, you know, whenever I plan to go on these places and and travel again, like I'm headed to up to Philly um, in February. And I've already thought of Jen and I thought of Mm -hmm. Jermichael because he's in Richmond. And I'm like, and and G is in um, D.C., who was one of my teammates. And so Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, how can I how can I really like make this um, an Emerging Leaders Almost trip. And what you're yep. able to also glean from that diverse set of perspectives is their life experiences. So some people are mm-hmm. working for nonprofits, some people work for the government. Um, I think I'm pretty sure D worked G worked for the DOD, right? Um, so mm-hmm. it's this idea that some people even work for the Urban League affiliates in their city. So we all have these very diverse set of experiences. And some were even entrepreneurs like myself and being able to get their various input and to hear about some of the challenges that they may have experienced as well as the, the way that they overcame those and were able to be triumphant in those situations, as well as from the The sort of the staff here, in terms of guidance and coaches, um, about just learning everything you can. And again, this is why I went and worked for these large corporations. I hope you're sort of noticing a theme here of like Mm -hmm. just going. (laughs) I I call it like almost like infiltration, right? I like going to these places. I take what I can and and I run with it.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, I like I like that a
1: lot. I, I used to have a saying back in my beginning of my career back in the days, but um, that it was a use, use situation because to your point, you're going to go and get all the information you can, but trust these big companies are going to use you for hours and all the intelligence and energy that you have for their projects or their work or whatever they use sending you. And that's fine because you're getting paid, but you're also getting knowledge and network that you should be utilizing for the future. So it's a bit of a use, use situation. And hopefully everybody-
2: And so to this point, Tanya, I think there's a lot of room for people to uh, to use that platform. So uh, to their own benefit, so use them back. Uh, and this is what I also tell people about business schools like often business schools in my opinion forgive me um, will sort of steer you to certain things that will help look good on their statistics for sake of employment I don't blame you it's a marketing thing but I would say you have to make sure in the same way that they're going to make sure that you go and sit in all the, the excuse me Deloitte interest meetings you make sure mm-hmm. that you're being diligent about what's true to you and uh, going and reaching out to people at ad agencies or wherever it is um, right. that speaks to your heart so and but with when Once you get that job, um, so for example, I'll follow the ad agency route the agency I worked for had a blog. And so I just started doing all of this millennial thought leadership, not because anyone Mm. told me to, quite frankly, because I had the time and I wanted to build my portfolio and I had the platform. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would really just encourage young people to continue to explore the various ways that um, make them unique because these days, especially that is your true value proposition. And there has never been a better time to be a woman and a person of color in the workplace.
1: Mm. That uh, leads me to think one of the things you said about, you know, overcoming diversity, overcoming challenges that a lot of folks for long before my time as well, you know, when the Urban League was initially starting for Boulder drives and community activation, you know, because we are to uh, Black History Month. And so talking at this time exactly is before the start of Black History Month. Everybody knows it's coming. You're all excited. You know, people start posting all their stuff and it's on their website. And then we have a series of bombings at um, HBCUs. So over, what, two dozen now, I think, have had bomb threats within yeah. the last few days. And actually, I think it started on January 31st as a you know, welcome to Black History Month announcement. So to your point about there being no better time to be, you know, identified minority or female trying to get past some systematic issues, It's also, it is not the best of times either. You know, folks are still out there trying to keep people down. And so I'm wondering, as we come into these new positions that we have and looking for your own brand, but there's still all that out there, what sort of Black History Month are you thinking about at the moment?
2: Mm. Well, first I'd like to make a note of this idea that it, there may not have been a better time, but this is certainly not the best time, right? To, to mm. be a person of color, a woman. But I would much rather be where um, in this time period than trying to do what I'm doing in the 1970s um, oh, in yes. Winston-Salem, North Carolina. That is what I'll say, right? <laughs> yes. um, but, I, but I would love, yeah, but I would love to see what 2050 in the South looks like for a Black woman. Mm. I'm, I'm excited for her and I'm excited for me to be able to experience that when the time comes.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: so it's, it's a true progression. So so when I think of things like Black History Month, like I, it's uh, there's a couple of layers. There's like the very sort of real black girl from the east of Winston Salem layer, um, Mm -hmm. sort of reaction to that. Of I'm gonna sit on the in the front of the bus. You know what I'm saying, kind of thing, (laughs) right? You know, Uh in the front Uh of the line, the front of the bus, right? Those sorts of things. But I personally am seeing so much value in honoring living history and acknowledging the milestones, even just like I mentioned about this being um, the best time thus far, at least um, for for people like us to be in the workplace. Uh, So I am grateful for. Alisa uh, 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 Davis. I am grateful um, for people like Erica James, who's the dean of the Wharton uh, School at UPenn. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm grateful that we are able to be in a time where I can see people, we can see people, you know, I can see people who look like us um, who are in these positions, mm-hmm. this idea of this next Supreme Court nomination, right? Yes. Like, uh, I, 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 there's so, um, even though I saw Lindsey Graham trying to throw some extra in there, I'm like, bro, like nobody asked you, <laughs> sit down. I'm like, South <laughs> Carolina, he's representing. Exactly, I'm like, nobody asked you, we got this covered. So it's this idea this is unprecedented time and there's so much value in like enjoying and recognizing that and to continue to push boundaries. So, you know, I hope, um, at, up at Georgetown that you all have on your television screens. I hope you all have up different Black alumni and um, milestones mm. that have happened within the university's history. I know Wake Forest emailed me a few weeks ago asking for my stuff, and I'm like, I appreciate you all's intentionality. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, right. uh, it's about time, right? Um, especially at sort of institutions uh, like a like a Duke, like a Wake Forest, mm-hmm. um, like a Georgetown. Yep those sorts of places to recognize that there was a black contribution, not only into building the actual edifices that themselves Mm -hmm. like Duke has very much recognized. And I appreciate Wake Forest for also recognizing that our endowment was started by the sale, the sale of of, of persons of black persons um, Mm -hmm. in order to create our endowment. And so it's about recognizing those things and also recognizing like what's going on today and amplifying. And so major point here um, for all of the allies who are listening is this idea of I, I encourage you all to ask yourselves, how can I encourage, amplify, celebrate the people of color around me? What can I do to help elevate their, the great work that I know they're doing? What sort of room and how can I be intentional about making sure that um, their ideas are heard and that they are recognized and are listened to and feel as if they belong? Because we are really in this together, particularly as it tain- pertains to work environments.
1: You are absolutely right. And Georgetown has actually also um, acknowledged that even though it's a Jesuit university. People think, you know, it doesn't operate like other traditional white universities have done in the past, Um, but they have acknowledged the sale of enslaved persons who helped fund the university and all their descendants uh, can now go to Georgetown for free. So they have also um, acknowledged, right, toast that people can't see our cups. Cheers to that. Right. So there, there are folks, and I think, you know, doing things that to try to mention that 10, 20 years ago, people were like, what, are you crazy? You know, so things are different, but then again, you have well, threats at HPCUs in the same week. So things are changing, but also the same at the same time.
2: Right. And this is why I, I always say in jest, but I mean this, I'm like, just remember black girls, there is always Botox. Like I say, this <laughs> to say, like these things are going to continue and we have to take care of ourselves. So whether that is getting some Juvederm because they're always making me feel, Furrow my brow, like like they are. You know, as young and beautiful as this skin is, girl. <laughs> but I, I, I hope you understand what I'm saying. Whether it's meditation, yes. Turkish yes. time for Turkish tea, as you're doing now. That's right. That's um, right. That's right. You know, you you have we have to continue to take care and feed and nurture ourselves in our various ways because the world is going to continue to try us. I, I absolutely, absolutely agree,
1: and I, I think that can can be shared among many groups of people. There's always somebody trying to tell you you can't or that you're not enough, or that's not going to work, and you have to know within yourself, within your organization, where you put your emphasis that, no, we can. And I'll show you. I think that's um, across yeah. the board for folks. As we close here, Ms. Avery and you have been so delightful here today, what pieces of advice might you have sort of top of mind for as we look to see who this first uh, female black justice is going to be on the Supreme Court. And I can say, well, one day, you know, look at justice, blah, 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 whoever it ends up being, you know, 50 years from now to use your coin of phrase, somebody say, might say, well, look at Miss Sabria. Do you remember when she blah, blah, blah in 2025 or in 2035? <laughs> right. What a dream. Right, Exactly. What's that one piece of advice you might have for those young folks sort of coming
2: behind you as they look to start businesses, start working, go to school, make their mark on the world? I did my best to to really think about this ahead of time, Tanya. But, you know, what's coming to top of mind right now is this idea of legacy, I think, which is particularly um, resonant during Black History Month. And us understanding the idea that we're not even though we may feel as if sometimes we're starting from behind, um, know that we're not starting from nowhere and, and know that they're, um, there are, whether you're a person of faith, like I am, whether you want to call them angels, your ancestors, their foremothers, fathers, there are people um, in your life that you may or may not have met, um, you, you know, just due to generational gaps and differences that um, that are supporting you. And so know that even in the darkest hour, because 2020, quite frankly, was a very tr- difficult and trying time for me. And I'm grateful that I was mm-hmm. able to... Um, get a company and a book out of it. Very grateful <laughs> and a job promotion, like really grateful uh, for all hey. things. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was because I knew that I was continuing something that was beyond me. Um, And and so know that you are young people, uh, especially those of you who are of color, you are never alone, um, even though there will be times when you may be the only at the table Um, and know that when you are the only that we are always there with you. And I'm counting on you to represent for us and to be um, as Mark Morial said, to be um, bold and bodacious about the choices that you make and to continue to be brave in that gusto.
1: Ah, I love that. Thank you so much for that. I I can't add anything better than that. That is fantastic. Well, thank you, Ms. Sabria Armstrong, for being with us today. Uh, This has been my absolute pleasure to talk
2: to you. The pleasure is sincerely mine, Ms. Tanya (laughs) Smith-Evans.
0: Thanks for listening to the Business of Impact, brought to you by the Business for Impact Center at Georgetown University's McDonough School of Business. We'd love to hear your feedback, so leave us a review letting us know what you think. You can also share your ideas for a future episode topic with us at businessforimpact at georgetown.edu. Stay tuned for new episodes throughout the year. You can also subscribe to the Business of Impact on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and all of your favorite podcast listening apps, so you'll never miss out. Or listen via the website at businessforimpact.georgetown.edu. Thanks for tuning in.